Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Welcome to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast, where we help you wake up, find your purpose, and build your dream life. I am so excited for this episode today with Eva Gruber. Eva is a habit coach, mental fitness trainer, speaker, and international best-selling author. She works with entrepreneurs, managers, and teams who have too much on their plate to improve their well-being, relationships, and peak performance. How does she do it? Through unmasking their mental self-sabotage, negative hindering thoughts, and establishing easy, good habits and routines. This episode has so many bits of gold to help you create better habits in your life to achieve your aspirations, whatever they are in your life. In this episode, there are so many bits of gold to help you form a positive mindset and mentality, to help you become a peak performer, to help you become happier through training and taming that inner voice and that inner dialogue you have with yourself that tells you that it's possible, that your dreams and your aspirations are possible. Eva dives into how to work on that mentality and that mindset and how to train your mind to have those positive aspirations, to know that you can achieve it, and to build the habits in your life on a daily basis to actually make those dreams reality. With that, enjoy the show. Eva Gruber, welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excited to have you on today to talk about mental fitness, building habits, and how my listeners can apply all that in their life. But before we jump into all that, you know, I'd love if you could share a little bit about your story, your background, and how you ended up sharing this knowledge and wisdom with the world today. Thanks. That's a very deep question. So please stop me uh, at any time. So mostly we do what we do because something happened to us, right? I think that's a story many of us can tell. And when I was little, when I was six years old, my beloved grandmother committed suicide. And at this point, my behavior and the perception of myself changed very much. And my mom, who lost her mother, she was really feeling like a victim or like very sad, of course. And I tried to step in and I became a so-called people pleaser. So I Mm. always stepped in when she had a need to fulfill this need, make a bit more joyful and happy, right? I also learned over time that I have behavior patterns that actually push me instead of pull me forward. I became a rather like stickler person, meaning like I became very perfectionist. Even I, I was really doing good and well in many things, I thought that only if I do it perfectly right, it will be good. Right? And there were other behavior patterns that I learned in my childhood due to serving my parents or others around me and also by either mirroring them or compensating them. And that's a very big part that I learned and also discovered in the recent 10 years about myself, that these very strong behavior patterns, they just made me to a person 
that actually also like had not only good behaviors, but also bad behaviors that I firstly felt they're good for me, but in the end, they were bad to me. They actually hindered me, they harmed me in some way. And all these behavior patterns from my childhood that I learned so much about and that I trained so much, that I believed so much and so much in, they actually also led me into very unhealthy eating behavior. I was getting anorexic. At some point when I was starting my first social venture or venture and I had founded three by now, I also burned out at a certain point, right? Because some of these behaviors were so strongly embedded in my personality that I couldn't let go of them. At some point, about 10 years ago, I really started to work in the field of behavior. How does the human being behave? Why do we think as we think or feel as we feel? And I started to work in this field of behavior design and working in a set of different ventures that I've co-built. And today I'm a habit coach and consultant. I really work with people globally in building their first mental strengths, mental fitness, embodied mental health, and all the habits and routines that you need for your well-being, for relationships, and also like peak performance. Mm. So obviously a lot, a lot that you just covered there. I'm curious just so to take it back to when your grandma died by suicide, what was that like for you? Because you were, you were only six years old. Did you understand what took place? And I'm curious how that impacted or shaped like the, the coming years ahead. Yeah. When I was six years old, as you said, but I was always a kid that was very curious, right? And I was observing at any time what was surrounding me, actually. And as a matter of fact, as my grandmother died, she didn't just die from one day to the other. She, she went missing for about 10 days. So this long stretch of days with big uncertainty, that actually shaped me, I think, very much as a kid. So I remember this time very much. How it shaped me thereafter, which is your question, is I wasn't that joyful anymore. I was more observative. I, I said I tried to step in when, I, when anybody else was needing something or when I felt somebody needs something. I was people-pleasing, I said. And by that, I, I got mm. very sensitive, maybe oversensitive at times. Because I wanted to support any loved one around me that was so much in pain. And that sensitivity mm. can be something beautiful. But as said, if you overuse it, if you overuse certain qualities in your personality, it most likely harms you, like empathy. If I overuse empathy for other people, I'm losing the own self-empathy, right? I'm losing touch with myself and being with myself. And I'm stretching myself too much by helping others before I help myself. Hmm. That all makes sense. It sounds like going into your 20s, you, you took a very entrepreneurial path. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. What was your first venture? Well, after eight years in a big corporate and dealing with renewable energies and climate and management uh, issues when it comes to the environment, I was uh, co-building a venture that deals with financial literacy, still does. So we created innovative solutions for the youth, young people to deal with money more responsibly. So financial literacy mm. and being competent with money on a daily basis, feeling what money stands for me, what money does to me, how money speaks to me when it comes to my future. What's the behavior I want to create when it comes to money? All of that was among this first venture, which is still up and running in 10 years of age this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's definitely something that a lot of people need or could benefit from worldwide, right? I think a lot of people don't have financial understanding as it relates to money in their own life. So is it within that venture that you started to become 
aware of your own habits and did you reach a point of burnout or was it prior to that that you really started to dig deeper into mental fitness and your own habits in your own life? I'm curious if there was like a breaking point as you were building that business or was the building habits something that you were always curious about and tinkering with? It started here like 10 years ago. It started there in this, this very first venture of mine that I really learned about behavior and how our behavior economics working and how are we as as a single person, as, as a human being, how do we work when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to emotions, to feelings or to moods, and how, how this actually impacts us in our behavior, right? And as I grew this venture with my team, I said I was stretching myself too much, I was giving too much, I was pleasing too much, I was stepping in too much, I was getting restless at times. And all of this led to exhaustion, pure exhaustion, not just of me, but also of my team. And you were burnt out. Yes. And I was never diagnosed with being burned out because I never went to the doctor saying, hey, can you please diagnose me, you know, to be burned out? I just faced it, you know, like I just learned, wow, this is it. This is how it feels. And I never day, I never had a day off, you know, really a day off, meaning like not doing anything, but I couldn't do so much anymore. And I, I kind of like scaled down a bit and it took me two to three years to come back, right? But coming back to your question, the turning point was in this first very venture, learning about behavior and going into deep research, um, how the brain works. And I intensified this, also like this interest and in my work in, in how the brain works and how this impacts us in our behavior and our well-being, in our relationships and our performance in the last five years, especially building my, my, my recent venture. And I think... When it comes to the turning point where you want to go into in this talk is that the burnout showed me a lot of pain in my body, a lot of pain in my mind, meaning um, disappointment, frustration, learning that I please others too much before I help myself. Mm. I run for others first before I run for myself. I make sure the things of others, the tasks of others are done before my own are done. Right? And this behavior can be very disappointing at some point. Because people that please too much also at some point don't get things back from people anymore. That frustrates mm. you, truly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to hear. I think it's shifting a little bit now, but there's been so much of a hustle culture here, at least in, in the US, where it's like hustle, 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 work, suffer now, be happy later. Mm -hmm. I think that that's been a big mentality at least for a lot of people building businesses or working here in the States, you hear a lot of people who are like in their early 20s or early 30s who say something like, oh, you know, I don't love this thing now, but I'm willing to do it because it will be better for my future And in 10 years or 20 years. And they sort of delay their, their happiness or they delay building good habits or putting themselves first at the aspiration or the dream of one day in the future, having a better life or having more happiness or making it or something like that. So it's very interesting to talk about the impact of burnout in your own life, but also how you started to shift things in your own life for, for the better and putting yourself first. Exactly. And the point here, as you said already, and I pick it up, is many people have the strong belief system, I will be happy when, and then you fill in whatever you want to fill in. I will be happy when I am a mother. I will be happy when I get this dog. I will be happy when I have this summer vacation. I will be happy when, right? And this when does never come 
right? For many people, yeah, it's, as they believe. It's a moving, it's a moving goalpost, I feel, always. Exactly. That's the point here when it comes to also mental self-sabotage, as we call that in the research field. Like we can sabotage ourselves in our mind by believing certain thoughts like I'm not good enough or I'm not fast enough or I'm not fun enough, I'm not easy enough or I will be happy when, right? There's many, many belief systems out there. There's also different, 10 different forms, typologies and stuff like that where we can see like how we actually self-sabotage our mind in certain ways, like patterns like being a people pleaser, right? Or being restless mm. or being hyperachieving. And as I said before, all of these behaviors, they have qualities at the very beginning, the quality of showing empathy to others. But when I overuse this quality of showing empathy, when I stretch myself too much, it's becoming a people-pleasing behavior, right? And that is actually leading to some exhaustion at some point. It's um, a, a mentor of mine once, once shared a very nice metaphor that maybe speaks to you. It's like when you go into an airplane, right? And we can do it now again. You step into the airplane and once you sit down, uh, the steward or the steward just tells you like, okay, in the case of capping pressure, please put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help others. And that's actually mm. the point when it comes to self-empathy. Put the oxygen mask of self-empathy on yourself first before you help others. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I really think that there's a lot to be said for putting yourself first in a lot of situations and just taking care of yourself. Literally like two days ago, I posted on my LinkedIn and I tweeted about in this day and age, like it's 2022. And if you're not taking care of yourself from a mental health standpoint and making time for feeling good, it's like such a miss in today's day and age, especially with knowing what we know now and knowing that burnout's real. And I try to share that there's so much time. We have so much time. We really do, especially as people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Like I used to think that 30 is like, I hear people say it all the time. Oh my God, I'm 30. I'm getting so old now. But really 30 is like the beginning. You still have so much time ahead of you. And it's crazy to think that some people are willing to suffer now for maybe one day in the future having this better life or something like that. You know, I tell people, and I want to get into mental fitness and all that in just a moment, but I tell people all the time that to avoid being burnt out and to avoid getting to that point of rock bottom, you need to make the time in your calendar and make the time in your life for the things that are non-negotiables. You know, for me, I call them my daily vitamins. So mm -hmm. I have things like stretching, the gym, a gratitude journal, things that I'm doing on a daily basis that are non-negotiables that I'm going to make the space and the time for. And I put it in my calendar and that's what that time is used for. Because, you know, it's, it's crazy. I, I speak to some friends who, for example, like love surfing and they say, oh, I haven't been surfing in so long. I'm going stir crazy. But that's crazy to me. You know, you can make two hours once a week and just you'll be a, a lot happier mm -hmm. in doing so and making that space and time for the things that you really enjoy. And it won't have a negative impact on your career, your business, or whatever your aspirations or dreams are. Exactly. But I guess, and I assume that all these things you just mentioned, and also the surfing part, you want them. Is that true? Maybe this person wants them. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very important point when it comes to behavior change and starting new habits is the biggest hurdle when it comes to new behavior, new habits is that most people do things like new behaviors and habits that they actually do not really want. Right? They just mm. read about them in a magazine, in an 
in the newspaper article, they read about it in a book, they even get it recommended by a friend, the dear one, you should do this and that, this would do you good, right? But this one maybe might be running, it might be surfing or something. This might not be the one behavior, the one habit that is truly wanted by this person. And that's the big thing we have to discover what's the true aspiration we want to go for. And then what's all these different behaviors you could do in order to achieve them. And then out of that, we really create habits. But that's a bit of a journey. Yeah, I, I see that. Let's get into a little bit about mental fitness. I'd love if you could share a little bit about what mental fitness is, what that means to you, and why it's crucial to learn about mental self-sabotage, which I know you brought up a little bit, and also how our listeners can start to form a more positive mind or a positive voice in their own head. But just as a starting point, how would you define mental fitness? Yeah. Maybe let me frame it like this. When I started my education at Stanford, the education about habit and how habits are formed, I got a beautiful education. It's still ongoing and it will never end, luckily. But what I missed is that we look into mental habits, meaning the habits we need in order to stay positive. Right? And then I was looking out for a different kind of education that comes on top and that fills this gap. And I found an education in, in the field of positive psychology. And in this education, they say mental fitness is actually your skills, your capacity, actually, to respond to something challenging, something negative, something positive, right? So whenever there comes challenge, a problem, you see it rather as an opportunity, a chance, instead of the negative, right? And that's in the end, it's, it's your capacity in your brain, the mental capacity that you can actually also train with the help of brain muscle trainings in order to, whenever pain comes in, pain like fear, anger, shame, insecurity, doubt, anything of that, any negative emotion, right, like these, and that comes in as a prompt, right, you can see this as a signal that this is negative, that this is potentially not doing you good, it's hindering you. And you can use this signal to behave differently. You do a mental brain exercise, and then you shift even more to the positive. You show more empathy, you get more curious, you innovate in certain ways, you navigate longer, longer paths, longer ways, and you step into action. And that's mental fitness all about the capacity to respond to something negative with a positive approach. Hmm. So training your, your mind to go from maybe a place of doubt or fear and shifting your mindset to say, is it recognizing that I am doubtful or I am scared, but I'm going to be able to do it this anyways, or I'm going to try my best? What would you say is like the exact shift? Yeah. So maybe one, one thing before that, what we mostly know about is the term mental health. Um, mental health, at least in Europe where I live, is stigmatized, right? Meaning when you say like, hey, let's speak about mental health or let's speak about your mental health, people might respond like, I'm not sick, you know, I don't have any problems with that. But like terming it with the term mental fitness is something actually pretty smart. Why? Because when you think about our bodies and staying physically fit, that's something we like, as you said before, stretching your body, and going for a run to the gym, some surfing, that's a non-negotiable for you, right? Mm -hmm. That's for sure on your agenda and you stick to it. So like staying physically fit is something we as people have learned, right? And we, we really aim for it. But have you ever heard of somebody saying like, I want to stay mentally fit to really go through the next month that is very busy 
in an easier way, in a more positive way. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Very, I want to say almost never. Yeah, and that's why this term of mental fitness instead of mental health, I think is one good shift going into the right direction for a positive discussion about our mental well-being, right? And in this term, like mental fitness is kind of like the prompt. It's the starting point for a new behavior, right? Mm, I like that. And I said before, all these negative emotions that you framed before coming from fear, like when we look at emotions at a bigger scale, I always say like, when we look at emotions at our emotions, emotions are like a binary system. It's not the binary system of zero and one as we know it, right? It's the binary system of fear and love. And these two groups of emotions, fear and love, they both have many siblings in them. Fear has siblings like anger, shame, insecurity, doubt, or guilt, right? Love, on the contrary, has siblings like empathy, curiosity, passion, purpose, right? And we have to learn about these emotions more because it's so hard to feel them in everyday life, right? There are emotions, and once they hit us and chemical process in our body, they turn into feelings, right? Maybe there's the feeling of, there's the emotion of fear, and what's the consequence of fear in your body? You might have, I don't know, restless legs or something, right? You might have some physical symptom in your, in your body that makes this feeling even more stronger. And then this feeling actually turns into a thought, into a negative thought, like I'm not fast enough, right? Or I'll never succeed. Mm. And that actually also like has a ripple effect on other behavior, right? And if this really comes in more regularly, if this is a repetitive situation or behavior, can also like turn into a negative mood or other negative behaviors that actually harm you. So let's talk about that voice in your head, you know, that inner voice that tells you you can or you can't. Because I think for a lot of people, the internal dialogue that they have in their own head truly enables them to either achieve or not achieve. Because I, I do really believe there's a lot to be said for taming that voice. And controlling the inner voice in your head that tells you, you know, you can or you can't. And I think a lot of people who achieve things, their internal dialogue with themselves is that I'm scared. I don't know what will come, but I know that something is possible, right? Something to that effect. And then there's other people who might go the other direction where they say it's not possible or I'll never amount to anything. And they have this negative voice, which limits what's possible. You know, they set their own 
limitations before they even get started. How do you not only tame that inner dialogue, but really shift to a more positive mindset where you're telling yourself that it is possible, that maybe it is possible that I can achieve this thing, this dream, this lofty goal or aspiration. Yeah, beautiful said. As you refer to this inner mind chatter, right? This is negative mind chatter saying like, I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not beautiful enough or funny enough or whatever. In order to detect what kind of negative behavior, negative beliefs are there, you can assess yourself with a research-based also like assessment, which actually looks very closely at 10 different types of negative mental behavior and thinking. Out of this, you can see like, Are you currently, for example, behaving as a people pleaser? Are you currently behaving rather like in a hyper-achieving way or in a hyper-vigilant way or in a hyper-rational way? Or are you behaving restlessly, right? Are you behaving as a victim at times, right? And these are different, in the end, 10 different types of behaviors, like mental behaviors. And all of them have together that at the very start, they have a belief really believe in saying like, I am not strong enough for this, or you are not strong enough for this, or the situation makes me fail, right? This is judging. This is the strongest mental self-sabotage that we can do to ourselves or to others is judging myself or others or the circumstances. This is the so-called inner critic, right? The judge. And we all know this, Mm. this inner voice saying like, I am not, and you feel the thoughts, right? And that's a very starting point, actually. And when this I am not comes in, most likely another mental saboteur, that's, that's how we call it, is also coming along and budding up with this inner critic, this judge. And, for example, being restless on top, right? So on the one hand, you judge yourself. On the next hand, the other hand, you get restless. And that is multiplying the effect of these negative beliefs or even thoughts, and it's leading to the wrong action and behavior, right? So the the issue here is that when you start mental self-sabotage, you believe also that this is doing you good, right? By judging others, you get some clarification in your mind, even though it's not true. You kind of like argue for your own good that by judging, for example, others, you're good for yourself, right? So you start to believe Mm. that these lies that you actually tell yourself are good for you. And in the end, as said before, they make you behave in ways that overstretch certain qualities, right? Let's say if you're restless, you're digging too many holes, like it's just a metaphor. Like if you're a restless person, you, for example, have many, many ideas in your mind and you want to follow these ideas because they excite you. But let's imagine you're like on the beach, which many of us can do now again. And on this beach, you dig a hole and then you see like, oh, I think over there it's better. And you dig another hole. And in the end, of course, you want to go down to the water base, but then you dig so many holes, but never go down to the true water hole. And with this metaphor, I want to say that people, for example, that get restless, they tend to dig a lot of shallow holes, but never really go deep. By that, never really finish up with certain ideas they have. And also by that, be disappointed. And having a restless behavior, a restless mind is also like, I would say, a pandemic of our times when it comes to our society being so entertained and by that distracted in so many ways, <laughs> that restlessness becomes a certain, yeah, common behavior among so many of us. Mm. How would someone though, if they have that negative voice in their head, that's telling them, you know, that they're building their own limitations. 
how can someone actually start to shift their mindset into a state of more positive and a state of I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah, or, yeah. So even just to believe that, you know, that it's possible. I always find it fascinating when people tell themselves that won't work or that can't mm -hmm. be because like who, according to who, who said that, you know, it's like people choose, I feel like people choose this narrative around it's not possible or that's not my life or, but they tell themselves that narrative when they can easily tell themselves that it is possible. Exactly. And so how would someone actually implement that in their own life? Yeah. So firstly, it's always important to know what's the harming behavior, what's the harming thinking that is going on. So we need to detect the behaviors, the pattern that shows, right? Let's assume you have a restless behavior, right? Then we really want to know about the restlessness in you. We want to know like, what are the emotions that it triggers, right? The negative emotions. How does it show in your daily life? How does it make you feel? How does it impact actually you in your well-being, in your relationships, in your performance, right? And we even want to know like how it would look like if this restlessness would stand in front of you. How would you characterize mm -hmm. it, right? So first of all, it's very important to really create this good, good deep picture of this hindering behavior. And then once we have that, it helps us detect this behavior every day much easier. And it's very important for us to, when it comes to, to habits, to create prompts, meaning the very starting point of a behavior is a prompt. And if we know about this negative behavior, we can use this actually as our prompt and make use of it and say like, after I feel restless, I will do. And then hmm. you do a certain mental brain exercise that helps you to shift from the negative to the positive. And this mental brain exercises, there's many of them, but all of them, they use senses, physical senses like touch or like you're listening, you're hearing or touch is actually the strongest because the brain is responding the best to touch, to be in the present, in the very moment, and to not go deeper into certain emotions, especially the negative ones. So using this mental brain exercises, like with the help of touch, like you do very short exercises, for example, like putting two fingertips on each other, rubbing these two fingertips so gently that you can feel the fingertip ridges on each other's fingers, right? And by that, of course, you can close your eyes and you can go deep into that. You actually are not getting into a negative emotion like fear or restlessness or, or shame or anything, right? And that neutralizes, helps your brain to neutralize this emotion. And then on top, you can step into positive reactions. For example, showing empathy to yourself, being kind to yourself, right? There are certain ways of doing that or being kind to others by showing empathy to others. Or you start mm -hmm. to explore the situation. What's really going on, right? Not what's making me afraid, but what's really going on. Then you start to innovate new solutions together with others and so on. So the packages detect what's going on, give it a label in a sense of make it clear for yourself, then neutralize with the help of brain exercises, and then step into the positive action with empathy, curiosity, and so on. Does it make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like what you're talking about truly is mental fitness. It's not, it's something you have to actually work at and work on and make the space and time exactly. to actually shift your mindset and like training any other muscle it sounds like it's a 
the mental piece is, and the internal voice is something you can actually train and shift over time. Exactly. It's always going to be there. Also, like my, my mentor, my, like the creator of, of this method of positive intelligence, I can, I can tell that, of course, as, as a name. He also says he has, he will and he has not a black belt, right? And I also tell my clients or, or people that work with me or like just friends of mine, I also have this mental self-sabotage, but I am aware of it and I can deal with it much easier. And I have good days, I also have harder days. But in the end, um, once we know about it, and once we have certain crutches that help us to go through that with more ease, the days can be more lighter and brighter in the end, right? And that's the point. And as you say, it's, it's like a muscle. It's like we have physical yeah. muscles, right, that we train. And now we have brain muscles, like brain regions we can train. And by that, we can get, go, become mentally stronger. Absolutely. So I always say once you start to have that positive in, internal dialogue with yourself and you say it's possible and you set your goals out and you put it out in the world that I want to do X, Y, Z and I want to make it happen, you obviously need to take massive action. And to me, that's creating those good habits and doing consistent work on a daily basis to ultimately get the results you want in your life. Exactly. So with that being said, I'm curious if, if you can talk a little bit about how my listeners can build and implement good habits in their own life that they can actually stick to and see through. Yeah. You used the word already a couple of times and I like that you use it. When I work with clients, I am never goal oriented. I go for aspirations. Why that? Because aspirations are the bigger picture of something we aim for, right? Let's give an example. Let's say I have clients, sometimes they come to me, even though they work on relationships or um, work relationships or performance. At some point, I said, okay, like, hey, Eva, one of them said, like, I gained some kilos. I'm not feeling well in my body anymore. I want to lose some kilos by the end of the summer, right? And as we worked on it, I figured out with this client, what's the true aspiration here? The goal would be, I want to lose five kilos by, let's say, end of June. Right? That's a clear go. It's very specific. And you can use the smart rules for that to specify it. Right. But this goal might not invite too many options in its behavior. Right. Then I looked into, into the bigger picture with her, seeing like at or looking at the aspiration here. And over some stretch of time, we found out that the true aspiration of hers could be I want to feel better in my body or I want to move my body more. That was another option she was looking at. And if I look at, for example, I want to move my body more, right? I have very, very many behaviors, options by that I could choose from to reach this intention and inspiration. And losing five kilos on the way might be a beautiful outcome, right? But it's not this intention or aspiration. And again, like aspirations give you the bigger picture. And by that, they invite you to really become curious and look for a positive behavior that could lead to this outcome, right? Mm. And that's the magic at the very start when you want to create new behavior or habits. And once you have that, once you have this aspiration, again, let's say I want to move my body more, I can look for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 different kinds of behaviors that help me to get there, right? And within that might be, for example, I will take every steps that I see instead of an elevator, right? And it could also be, I will never, I don't know, 
take the car for short distances, I will always walk it or take the bike, right? Something like that. And then at some point, applying methods that look into what are the most efficient um, behaviors that we see there. And then also like, what are the ones that you really like and that are easy to do? Once we have that, we really have so-called golden behaviors. And these golden behaviors, we can break down into habits. And that's the big choose in there that we're coming from the big picture. We're kind of like breaking it down to the very golden one. And then out of that, we make habits happen that most likely or ideally happen a couple of times a day. Mm, that makes sense. How long would you say it takes to actually form a habit? <laughs> and why would you say like for the people who stop or you set out on a goal and you start it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, then you stop. Would you say that it's because that might not actually be your goal or something like that? Mm. So the question is a very common one to me. So the first hurdle is, I mentioned it before, most people really fail with their habits because they don't want them. So they're not mm. truly either honest to themselves or able to do a process like this, finding the true aspiration. They're rather like goal-oriented and then they miss the true I point. I see what you're saying. Right? You're really getting clear about why you want that thing and making sure that you actually want that aspiration that you're chasing. Exactly. And that's a process, you know, like also like when somebody comes to me, I'm not saying within the first half an hour, we have, we have this aspiration set. It takes a while and that's okay. Right. That's the beauty of it. That's the biggest hurdle when it comes to starting a new habit. And the second one is that we actually always make it too big. Right. So we always aim for too much. Let's say in order to feel better in my body, my client, could have said, I want to go for a run every morning for 30 minutes, right? Okay. And going for a run every morning for 30 minutes, it's big uh, if you're not a super runner, right? So yeah. by putting the bar for success too high, people also like stumble upon that and they will make it for the first seven days. They will make it for the first 14 days, maybe even 21 days. But then their energy goes down by that, their motivation and their willpower. And that actually makes them struggle and they will actually fail to keep on going at this high pace or high level of behavior. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Well, we could start to wrap up this episode. We covered a lot as it relates to mental fitness, building good habits, and you know, really training and developing that positive inner voice in your own head to help you go out and build your dream life. The Bits of Gold podcast is all about building your dream life, living a purpose-driven life. And with that being said, what would be your bits of gold on how to build a purpose-driven life, how to build a life you love? I used to be a person that was super, super, let's say, not planned out, but always organized. And I learned in recent years, maybe also like COVID-driven, that we have to create this space for curiosity and opportunity, right? Mm. So I think when it comes to behavior change, I think we really have to Next to deep empathy for yourself, really be curious and look at what's happening and also like ask for support on the way. Behavior change is not going to happen from one day to the other, not also like in 21 days, but also with support, you can make this change happen. So I think that's a very important gold, bits of gold from, from my end. I love it. Where can people connect with you, get in touch if they want to learn more about working with you or mental fitness or anything on the topics that we covered today? Well, they can get on my webpage. Um, I think you will show in the show notes what's the link. Yeah, I'll put it in the show why notes. Why email. I'm on LinkedIn, um, Eva Gruber Habit Coach. I think that's the most common you know, sources to get to me. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple iTunes podcast. It really helps with growing the show. With that being said, I hope you apply some of the tips from Eva in your own life and start to build better habits and start to tame that inner voice in your own head so you can start to pursue and chase those big aspirations that you have in your own life. With that, have an amazing week. I love your pocket, this is gold, this is where it's at. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.